Pastor Scott is away this, this past week and uh, today and tomorrow. I believe he'll be back Tuesday. But um, him and some friends went hunting. Now, I'm not a hunter, so I, you know, I just don't really relate to that sort of thing. Uh, tramping out in the bush and you know, sleeping in a tent or something. I, you know, I just can't somehow get into that. Um, uh, maybe my wife would be okay with it if uh, we could do it together and have the camper trailer with a microwave and a power plant and so on. But here he goes. He's out there. You know, the story is told of a doctor and a lawyer and a preacher that went hunting. And they're out in the bush, you know, and they're all looking for that perfect big bull moose, you know. And lo and behold, just a few yards away, there he stood. Just the most magnificent specimen of an animal that you could ever want. So they raised the guns and all three shot, right, simultaneously. Down goes the moose, of course, and they rush up to uh, see whose shot actually was the winning shot. And they could, they could only find one bullet hole entrance. So they began arguing a bit. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. No, I'm a better shot than you are, and so on and so on. It went until finally a fish and wildlife game officer, you know, came along. He heard this commotion, and he came along, and, and they said, Oh, officer, thank you. Maybe you can help us settle this issue because uh, I believe it's my moose. No, it's my moose. No, it's my moose. You know, so. so he took a look, and he was only just looking for a few seconds, and he said, It's very definitely the preacher's moose. Well, how do you know? Because the shot went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Oh, man. Please don't tell Pastor Scott, okay? (laughs) I have to work with this guy. Let's go ahead and love him. I, I, I hear that there hasn't been exactly a productive hunt as far as getting meat is concerned, but I wonder how many chips he's eaten. Just, just wondering, you know. Sorry, I, I'm just thinking out loud a little bit here. If you brought your Bible this morning, I encourage you to turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Now, Pastor Scott has been taking us on a journey of the DNA of our church, and uh, I, I want to continue on with that this morning. And as I read this morning from Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to read from verses 1 down through verse 9. And then we'll jump across to verse 18 and carry on down to verse 23. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude were gathered together to him so that he could... So, pardon me, so he, he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow... And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, and because they had no depth of earth, they died. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's go over to verse 18, please. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. 
When anyone hears the word of God, of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom, pardon me, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word... Immediately he stumbles. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Now there's six parts to our strategic development plan that we have here for the church and Pastor Scott has been preaching on these the last few weeks and the first one is that we would thrive spiritually. You see, it's our heart as leadership of the church that we want you to not just exist not, not just, not just kind of come and you know look nice and act nice on, on a Sunday or some other weekday evening when something's going on. But we want you to thrive spiritually twenty four seven. We want you to take the word of God and, and 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 live it out and fall in love afresh if you need to with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to to, to live out your faith in in a victorious way regardless of what the circumstances are. Well, the second part of our strategic plan and process for the church is to build community. And we want our church to care for each other. We want to, we want to build and maintain community. We want to watch out for each other. And just as you indicated this morning with the, with the dedication of little Nora, by the way, I, I, I totally forgot, today is her birthday. I, I let's sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nora. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Biggest birthday choir she's ever had. The only birthday choir she's ever had. We want to build community. We want to do things that are authentic. We want to reach in people's lives in, in, in real and genuine ways. You know, it's one thing to just shake somebody's hand and pat them on the back and send them on their way and say, well, I really don't want to get involved. But that's not the temperature. That's not the posture. That's not the attitude of our church. We want to care for each other and, and continue to build community. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're really growing in, in numbers. And Pastor Scott and myself, as we as we pray together each week and as we talk together as we plan together and as we, as we endeavor to, to work together in the growth of the church. And as we share that together with the others on our pastoral team and as we, as we spend time together, we're not just looking to, to, to have more and more and more bodies. I mean, that's all right. We don't mind that. But what we want to do is, is we want to have community that's authentic. 
And in so doing, we want to, the third part of our strategic plan is to reach the lost. We have a mandate from Jesus Christ to go and preach the gospel. We've got a mandate that, that, that lifts us out in a sense of our comfort zone and takes us to share the good news of God's love with others. Well, there's three other parts to our strategic plan. One is to develop this site. You see conceptual drawings out there, and you say, well, is anything happening? Yeah, we've got a great team that's working hard because there's a pile of stuff that has to be taken care of in the process of that. Number five was to hire a lead pastor, and we've checked that one off from our list. And it's such a joy to have Pastor Scott here as our lead pastor, and it's such a joy to work with a man of God like he is. And then the last one that we've got in this, in this group is to rebuild trust and maintain transparency. We want you to trust us. We want to trust each other. We want to be transparent as church leaders. We don't want to be doing things behind closed doors and all of a sudden spring them on you. What the world do those guys do? No, no, we don't want that to happen. So we want to have good communication. Well, today I want to open part three. That's the part of reaching the lost. We want our church, we want each one of us in our church to fulfill the mandate that Jesus gave us to go and preach the gospel. So as we begin to take a look at this this morning, would you please pray with me and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that your word is truth, your word is real, your word is your communication to us. And Father, we pray that we would indeed see it as your word, see it as your communication, see it as your command, your mandate, and we would with joy and delight go about and seek to fulfill it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The most common places, and most of us probably can can spiel them off from from memory, that in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. Uh, Matthew records it just a slight bit different. He said, go and make disciples. And, and this one is involving a little deeper digging and a little deeper connection and a little deeper involvement in people's lives. But realize a few other places where Jesus sets forth his message and command as well. Last Sunday, Pastor Scott preached from Matthew chapter 10. And I want to just take you back to that for just a moment because in verse 27, Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the air, preach from the housetops. You see, Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be connected with me, Pastor Scott, a couple Sundays ago or three Sundays ago or so, he talked about follow me. And, and those guys, they, they left their nets and they followed. You see, it wasn't just simply a matter of following along as, as, as a little child would, would toddle along behind you and in a meaningless way just simply following with no purpose. No, Jesus is saying, connect with me. Connect and be, be part of my team. You know, so we move ahead. We're, we're moving ahead with, 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 with the same jersey on. You know, and, and hopefully our, 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 our team is a, is a championship winning team over and over and over. Think of those Chicago people today celebrating the win of the Cubs, eh? Wow. I don't even know about the last time they won. Matthew 10, 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father in heaven. You see, the idea here is whoever... Conf- you see, confessing is making a statement. 
So whoever confesses me, whoever makes a statement about me to people, him I will confess before my Father in heaven. Wow, isn't that something? He is taking our words, he's taking our activity, and he's saying, Father, did you notice that? Did you notice her? Did you notice him? Did you notice that they're confessing me before people? John 17 and verse 8. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. Isn't that great? I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Friends, today, this is the preaching and the receiving of the message of the gospel. This is the preaching and the receiving of the message that Jesus came, that he died and he was buried and he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures, this is the gospel, friends. This is the hope of the world. This is the message that Jesus said, now go out there and spread that message. You may be here today and you might be saying, Pastor, I don't quite know what you're talking about because I've never experienced anything like that. Well, we want to help you, friend. We want to introduce you. To the master, we want to introduce you to Jesus. There's hope, there's help, there's healing. There's a future. All of Jesus' life was to minister to the people around him. And in so doing, preparing a group of dedicated followers to carry on the task of evangelism and discipleship after he ascended to heaven. His life was a life of preparation for those around him. It's important to realize how the events happened, the chronology of of Jesus' life and his teaching and his ministry among the people. And when you take take God's word and and, and read it, and you see how things happened through Jesus' life, what what a joy, what a blessing. You see, Jesus' ministry was different from the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the teachers of the law. And they decided among themselves... And they had conferences, I'm sure, where they came away from the conferences having established some new laws. Apparently there were 600 and some laws. We have the Ten Commandments, and they say, oh yeah, but that's not quite good enough. We've got to add this and this and this and this and this and this and this. It was impossible. But they were preaching that on people, and they were pouring that on people, and they were laying guilt trips on people, and they were hauling them up even in court situations, saying, oh, you did that, you know, you've got to pay, you've got to... And they went on and on and entered Jesus, entered Jesus into that scenario. Jesus taught in parables. Now, a parable is the painting of a picture, a mental picture of something that people understood to explain something that they didn't as yet understand. And he used common things. This morning, we're going to talk about the common seed of grain. How common is that? Everybody knew what that was all about. But let me just share with you six things about parables before we dive into the actual story. You see, number one, a parable makes concrete truth. It's not kind of a wishy-washy opinion. It's solid truth. That's what a parable is all about. God drives through Jesus the parable, taking people from here to there. Such is a parable, teaching truth from a platform of things people understood Rising them up to a platform on things that they had yet to understand and learn of. Well, the third thing is that great teaching creates interest. Such are parables. They would say, oh, he's talking about seed. He's talking about sheep. He's talking, oh, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Does this guy know what he's talking about? 
And then number four, parables drive individuals to dig deeper. So today, as we're done here today, you're welcome to go home and the digging deeper section in your bulletin. Take those verses, dig deeper, read it on your own, study it, and see what the parable says to you. Well, number five, a parable conceals truth from those who are too indifferent or lazy to see the depth of the story and the message, or they're too blind to understand it because of their prejudicial approach. And number six, a parable was spoken and typically had one truth. There wasn't a fanning like a shotgun of truth. There was one truth that bore out, and it bore out in a very strong and powerful way. So we open the parable of the sower. It's the first of eight parables having to do with the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The others are the wheat and the tares, the mustard seed, and the leaven, and so on. That Jesus is focusing on the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Now, a mystery here is not something mysterious, but rather something unknown or not fully revealed at this time. The mystery is the new revelation, the new covenant that Jesus is about to bring forth. You see, they understood covenants because they understood the covenant that was given to David and to Moses and Abraham and more, perhaps. They understood the covenant and they understood what what that meant to a degree. But now Jesus comes and he said, I bring a a new covenant. I bring a new covenant based on on my life and, and the mandate that God has given to me to come to earth. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, a comparative parallel passage to this, tells us that the seed is the word of God. So as we go through this this morning, friends, keep that very high on your memory list, that the seed is the word of God. Well, chapter 13 and verse 3 says, A sower went out to sow. You know, it's kind of interesting. In the context of evangelism, in the context of taking the word of God we got to be willing to go out there. You see, the sower could have sat on his chair in his house with the bag of seed beside him on the floor, and he could have lived in, in kind of a comfortable situation. And somebody would come over and say, what you got there? And, oh, I've got a bag of very good seed here. Well, what are you going to do with it? I, I don't know. I, I just keep it here for now. Well, isn't seed supposed to be sown? Um, Well, we'll maybe get to that. But for the moment, we'll just kind of let it sit here. You see, the reality is, is that there's certain folks in the context of the family of God that we would rather kind of keep the seed of the Word of God kind of beside us on on the coffee table. You know, we'd like to just kick our recliner back and just kind of leave it sit there. But no, that's not what Jesus has asked us to do. So the sower went out to sow. Verse 4 says, Some fell by the wayside. The birds devoured the seed. Verse 5, Some fell in stony places. And because of the lack of soil and, and the depth of the soil, the plant sprang up, but it died very quickly because it had no root. Some fell among thorns and it was choked out by the thorns. And some fell on good ground and produced a crop that was a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. Now, the configuration of Palestinian fields was such that they were long, narrow strips of fallow land, 
and there were walkways in between. So typically, the sower would take the bag of seed on his shoulder, and as he walked along, he would cast the seed out, and just by virtue of it being cast out, some fell on the pathway. Some was eaten by the birds, and the seed of the word of God taken away by the thief, the devil, who it says in John 10.10, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and enjoy it to the full. Now, you know, the ambitious sower would take the seed on his shoulder, and he would go out, and he would spread it out of the bag by handfuls as he walked along, and it's called broadcasting the seed. The lazy sower would take a sack of seed and place it on the back of a donkey. And then he would take a knife and rip open the left side and the right side and let the donkey wander around. And wherever the donkey wandered, the seed fell. Well, some went on the stony ground and there was no soil depth and it was readily received, but there was no depth. Some went among thorns, and the seed down in there among the thorns germinated and sprang up, but the thorns quickly choked them out. And in Jesus' explanation, he says, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches will choke out the word of God in the soil of that person's life that is like the thorny ground. But then there was some on good ground and it grew and it yielded a hundred times more, some of it. Some of it yielded 60 times more. Some of it yielded 30 times more. Friends, this morning we're talking about what we call evangelism. We're talking about what we call reaching the lost. We're talking about what we call going out and preaching the gospel. You see, the fate of any spoken word really rests on the hearer. You know, you can listen to someone speaking and you can basically do nothing with it. You know, you can just kind of cast it off. Listen to this little quote and you have to kind of have your mind awake to get this one. I know you believe what... I know you believe you heard what you thought I said, but I'm not sure that what you heard is not what I meant. Let me give that one to you again. Go, what? I know you believe you heard what you thought I said, but I'm not sure that what you heard is not what I meant. And so it goes. You see, I, I've, I've been in plenty of seminars in my ministry life, and, you know, you get around a table, and, and, and there's either I was the teacher or I was the participant, but I've been in various different circumstances like that. And, and so you get the presenter up there with his or her notes, and and their, and their PowerPoint, and you get people out there with their notebooks and so on. Well, there's a danger here that the information goes from the notebook of the presenter to the notebook of the participant without going through the head or heart of either one of them. Someone said a jester's message will only succeed when it is told to someone who has a sense of humor and is prepared to smile. <laughs> no use is telling a joke if you're not having a sense of humor and want to smile a little. It's just the way it goes, isn't it? So hugely dependent on your hearing as to what the Word of God does when it goes forth, as to what kind of soil it's going to fall on. If your hearing is that like the wayside, 
like the hard road that the seed almost bounces off into the mouth of the bird. Or it goes into that little wee, tiny, shallow little bit of soil and springs up and it dies right away because it has no root. Or it goes into that thorny, thorny situation. Your mind is so wrapped up with the cares of this world and your mind is so wrapped up on your bank account and your RRSPs and and if you're going to have enough money to retire on and that's what you're absorbed with, the thorns of such activity choke out that precious word. In reference to the gospel, we're reminded in John chapter 6 and verse 44, Jesus said this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You see, friends, interestingly enough, when you and I go out to share the gospel with someone, you come back and you say, All excited, man, I had coffee with with Joe today, and Joe trusted Christ as his Savior. I'm so glad I got the guy saved. Whoa. Whoa. You never saved anybody. Oh, but your wife said, oh, you know what? We had such an amazing time at daybreak today. There was, there was a couple of ladies that we'd never, never seen before. And, oh, man, it was, a, it was a great time. You know, Karen or one of the other ladies shared the gospel. And those two ladies trusted Christ. We got them saved. No, you didn't. You didn't save anybody. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's not put up our egotistical front saying, I saved this person. I saved, no, no, you didn't. But you see, what you and I are, we are agents of communication. We are the conduit through flows, the great and precious message of the gospel. We are the mouthpiece that God has used. He has chosen us to go forth and speak his word. That's who you and I are. And it's the Holy Spirit that does the beautiful saving work. In Matthew 18, 14, Jesus says, Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these should perish. The family of God. The family. You know, there's a time appointed. There's a time appointed for people to hear the word of God. And there's a time appointed for the manner in which they do that. And, you know, there is a time appointed that God will say, okay, enough is enough. Jesus, you return. And those that have trusted me through your message, come, come to my heavenly home. There's those that will not receive that message. And God, with a heavy heart, says, I must let you go to the place prepared for Satan and his angels called hell. And it's real. It's real. You see, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he has chosen you and I to go forward with that message of hope, that message of good news, the message of the gospel. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. And from the NIV Bible, it goes this way. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God has chosen that we be the messengers of truth to a needy world. God has chosen that we take the good seed from the source that we've been entrusted and spread it forth. You say, Pastor Art, 
you maybe don't know my circumstances. You see, you maybe you don't understand my workplace. You don't understand that I've I've tried to speak forth your word and and it's being tossed aside like a piece of trash. It's being put down. It's 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 being ridiculed. And pastor, I don't quite know what to do next here. Well, someone once said, "Preach the gospel always." As much as you can, anywhere you can, if necessary, use words. And sometimes our lives, sometimes our lives are are representing Christ very well. And sometimes we kind of hang our shoulders and say, you know what, my life didn't represent Christ as good as I should have this week. Listen, friend, I'm not here. We as church leadership are not here to scold you. We're here to, 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 to embrace you and as was the case with, with Moses way back in the Old Testament that Aaron and Hur came along and held up his arms. Because when his arms were up, they were winning the war. When the arms fell down, the, the opposers were winning. So friends, today in community, we as a church community want to hold each other's arms up. We want to be encouragers. We want to be those that strengthen the body. Well, let me take you for a few moments to those four types of soil and the four kinds of hearts into which this truth is sown. Heart number one is represented by the wayside. It's one which is too hardened for the word of God to make any impression. It it represents a few different classes of people. Number one, it represents those whose hearts have been made insensitive by the routine, meaningless rites and lifeless formalities. Sometimes we find people that, that, that are so engaged in particular rites and formalities that there's no life. They're not happy, they're not joyful, but they're doing their religion. Oh, dear friends, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about life. We're talking about relationship with Jesus Christ. But some of these dear folks have been made insensitive by that kind of a routine over and over and over. Secondly, those whose sensitivities have been deadened by just being perverse and being indifferent. They just lived a life of perversity and, and they couldn't care less. You know, their hearts have been hardened. Sometimes those are hearts that are hardened by the constant feast of evil thoughts. They just live in a sense of, of, of the filthy things that go on. Their life, their language, their talk, their very being just circulates in evil God's word lies on the surface of such hearts and Satan can use any insignificant or innocent passing thought as a bird would come to carry away the seed and carry those thoughts away from a heart that may well be there to hear something. The preacher's voice has scarcely died away until that kind of a heart under some idle criticism just kind of has the preacher for lunch and finds out all his faults and follies. A bit of gossip in a neighborhood causes them to forget the sermon and it's seed that has fallen on hard ground. And the birds, the work of Satan comes and pulls it away. They're hearers, but they heed nothing. Well, the second heart is the heart that has that shallow, rock-covered soil representing those who receive the word, but whose impulsive, shallow nature doesn't retain it. 
And their enthusiasm just was for such a short period of time. They're kind of caught up in the aroma of the moment. They're kind of caught up in the emotional hurrah. But there's really no depth. And the heart is destroyed by external influences. Any kind of opposition, slighter, whatever, makes them immediately give up. Heart number three represents those who begin well, but afterwards permit worldly cares to gain the mastery over their life, and they are choked by internal influences. May I dare say that of all of the hearts, perhaps, of these three, this one maybe is the one that outnumbers the other because of the fact that we really don't know what's going on inside the heart and life of another person. They might look wonderful on the outside, but inside there may be things going on that are like the thorns that are choking out the goodness of God's word. And then we move on to heart number four. The good seed finds rich, receptive soil, and when that seed falls in there, it just bursts forth and the depth of the roots go down to good, solid nurture. The plant grows up to good, solid development and grows forth and produces bud and flower and fruit. Living out our Christian faith requires three things, basically. It requires a sower. It requires good seed, which is the true gospel, and we don't debate whether that's good or not. Of course it's good. And the third thing is that it requires an honest hearer, someone that is going to receive and say, listen, I would like to know more. The seed is the word of God, so our mandate then is to let us go forth and and, and sow that seed. Well, all hearers are really not equal in faithfulness because one will receive, one won't. And someone just shared with me after the first service this morning that exact thing, that he's wanting to share the gospel, but the hearer is not willing to receive it. Of the four hearts that we've indicated, the fourth holds fast until the harvest, and there's rejoicing with the harvest. You know, what we sow, we reap. We don't sow wheat and grow carrots. What we sow, we reap. Now, reaping is a whole other sermon, and sorry, I'm not going to take time this morning to go there. But the other truth that I want to share with you is that we reap more than we sow. The farmer that goes out there to plant wheat realizes that he puts so and so many bushels of wheat into the ground and, and, and he grows many, many, many more. And that's what Jesus said, some a hundred times as much, some 60 times as much, some 30 times as much. So we do reap more than we sow. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There's so much blessing, friends. There's so much poured out upon us from our Heavenly Father that we can ever seek to know or understand. Let's be sowers of the Word. Pray with me, please. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that as we come before you this morning, we come before a God who understands us. We come before a God who who knows our strengths and knows our weaknesses We come before a God who who wraps your arms of love around us and says, my child, I, I, I want to care for you. I want to embrace you. 
I want to be yours. I want you to be mine. Father, encourage us, we pray, from your word today. Encourage us to to grow strong in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Encourage us to go forth with purpose, with a plan that we would realize the prosperity of your spirits pouring out on us. And we thank you for your beauty and your love. We commit ourselves to you today, Father, that we would enjoy the depths of your goodness. And we say these things with great thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Amen.